Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his arsenal shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from Isaiah chapter 56, verse 1 through chapter 57, verse 6. And the title of this week's lesson is God's Love for Gentiles. From the New International Version, the text reads, Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who would keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Come, all you beasts of the field, come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are dogs without, with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. They seek their own gain. Come, each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer. And tomorrow we will be like today or even Far better. Now, verse 1 in chapter 57 through verse 6. The righteous perish, and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. But you, come here, you children of a sorceress. 
You offspring of adulterers and prostitutes, who are you mocking? At whom do you sneer and stick out your tongue? Are you not a brood of rebels, the offspring of liars? You burn with lust among the oaks and under every spreading tree. You sacrifice your children in the ravines and under the overhanging crags. The idols among the smooth stones of the ravines are your portion. Indeed, they are your lot. Praise God's holy and divine word. Speaking from the 8th century before Christ, Isaiah pictured for Israel their return from Babylon two centuries later. So he's, Isaiah is speaking of future events where God did not forsake his people even though their sins were great. The great prophet does not stop when he described God's blessing for the trip homeward. Jerusalem and Judah would be a different place when the Jews returned. All the peoples and nations would be welcomed. When the temple was rebuilt and the Israelites lived behind strong walls, eunuchs would no longer be ejected from the city. Foreigners would come bringing their children. God would show himself to be a savior of all nations. The Sabbath would be observed and the covenant would be kept by those of all nations who partake of God's blessings. As we consider God's love for the Gentiles, we would do well to remember what Peter told Cornelius and those assembled at his house. He pointed out that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. Our text makes a similar point. God wants his followers to act with integrity and to glorify him. Consequently, he exhorted Isaiah's audience to keep justice and do righteousness. Chapter 56, verse 1. This verse serves as a summary of all the chapters in Isaiah from 1 to 55. Keep justice and do righteousness echoes the ideals of these chapters, particularly 1 through 39. Soon my salvation will come and righteousness will be revealed. This sums up the promises of chapter 43. Through 55. Salvation will come. The paradigm will be revealed. The Lord Himself is coming. Salvation and righteousness must be in close proximity in the hearts and minds of God's people 
and action must result. Salvation is linked with righteousness. The children of God must keep his covenant all the way. God expected and continues to expect his people to live in a way that anticipated and anticipates his coming salvation. He also demanded that they prepare for the revelation of his righteousness. Those precious few, the peculiar remnant who heeded God's admonition, would be blessed. Verse 2, chapter 56. Blessed is the one who does this. God's love would come when the time was right. Galatians 4 and verse 4. The coming of the Son of Man would mark the completion of all things. More than ritualistic adherence to God's will was and is needed. Those who properly seek God are offered a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They shall not be cut off. Verse 5. The foreigner who embraces God's covenant need not fear God's rejection if he has joined himself to the Lord. The eunuch, once he is gripped by the gospel message, receives an eternal place with God that is better than producing physical descendants. God extended his mercy and his grace beyond the Jews to all who join themselves to the Lord, to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, verse 6. In time, those excluded from the covenant, as noted in Deuteronomy 23 and verse 1, would be granted equal privileges under the Messiah's reign, provided they are obedient to the Lord. Verses 3 and 4 in chapter 56. These would be given an everlasting name within the Lord's holy house, the church of the living God. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. The Sabbath is a covenant sign that represents a lifestyle of devotion to the Lord, for it requires the practical reorganization of every week around Him, the living God. A name passed on to sons and daughters can be cut off, but a name which Jehovah gives to a member of His spiritual family cannot be cut off for only he can blot it out of his book. God promised the non-Israelites who made the trek back to Canaan with the descendants of Abram that he would bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful 
in my house of prayer. Isaiah 56 and verse 7. The God of Israel was not and is not a God of a particular nation. All the people of the earth are his. For my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, verse 7, is a passage cited by Jesus in Matthew 21 and verse 13 when he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. My holy mountain and his people's worship is the place of God's presence. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and it will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Having set forth God's plan to graciously welcome all who obey him, Isaiah turned his attention back to the woeful leaders of Judah, depicting them as selfish and unconcerned Isaiah illustrated his point by describing the leaders at a feast. He writes that there is an inevitable accounting coming to those who flaunt their apostasy. There is a feast in progress as the beasts close in to devour, verse 9. There is a feast in progress, the indulgence of self-absorbed rulers, verse 11. Although Judah's leaders were supposed to be watchmen instead of properly serving as shepherds over the people, verse 11, they greedily served themselves. Emphasizing this, Isaiah declared, they all looked to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his own territory. This is not righteousness. As far as they were concerned, Every day would be the same as the one before, verse 12. Pleasure was their chief concern. God was far from their minds. Only an event of massive proportions such as the coming Babylonian invasion and captivity would awaken them from their stupor. Chapter 57, contrast the righteous, verse 1, with the wicked, verse 21. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. Paul wrote, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and also I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Philippians 1, verse 21, and also verse 23. The words of the prophet to God's people, who had not completely forsaken idolatry, are f who had completely forsaken idolatry, are uplifting to those who had not 
completely forsaken idolatry. They are fierce. He calls them sons of sorcerers and offspring of the adulterer and the harlot. Chapter 57, verse 3. Their words were, their, their worship were gestures of contempt instead of models of righteousness. Two things about idolatry as it was practiced by the Canaanites particularly angered God. Some of the Israelites who should have been leaders had incorporated such idolatry in the worship of Yahweh. First, sacred prostitution led to the building of shrines on high places. There, even good women were forced to act as consorts of the god Baal. The practice involved more than captive women or poor women being sold into slavery. God said to Jeremiah, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. Jeremiah 3 and verse 6. Second, Canaanite idolatry included the slaughter and sacrifice of children. Again, Jeremiah makes explicit the practice. And ha- they have built the high places of Tophet, where, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Chapter 7 and verse 31. God wanted nothing to do with such practices. Their actions did not provide comfort to God. God spoke through Isaiah and posed a rhetorical question in verse 3. When he wrote, verse 3 and 4, But you come here, you children of sorcerers, You offspring of adulterers and prostitutes, who are you mocking? This thought is whether, in the light of Israel's idolatry, God should be satisfied, show mercy. Israel must be held accountable for their actions. Natural consequences occur. The contrast between the righteous and the wicked could not be clearer. The righteous can look forward to peace in the eternal now. Chapter 57 and verse 2. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. This comfort is provided by God. The wicked enjoy only the comfort comfort provided by the, the smooth stones the common places, the low places of a temporal experience. One of the great benefits Christians gain from Isaiah's message is that God in the Old Testament and the New points to Jesus and therefore opens the door of salvation for all men, women, boys and girls who aspire with fear and trembling to live a faithful life. Let us aspire 
to recognize, as Paul wrote in the Philippian letter, that our most precious possession, both now and forever, is Christ and our relationship to him. This lesson is yours. Thanks for listening, friends. I pray that something has been said that is both edifying and uplifting. Next week's lesson comes from Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12, and chapter 59, verses 1 through 8, and the title is The God of Israel, Just and Righteous. Let us pray one for another. Our Father which art in heaven, we approach your throne of grace with attentive humility and rapt attention to you, our God, who sits high and looks low. We aspire to be with you, Father, to sing and glorify your name forever. We thank you for sending your Son that through his life, death, resurrection, he has provided the way to come home if we live faithfully as your bondservants unto death. We ask for forgiveness, Father, of any trespasses we have committed since the last time we have been together. Father, we have repented and seek a closer walk with Thee. We pray for those who do not know You yet. We pray for space and time that they may come to know You before it is everlasting and eternally too late. We pray that the wicked turn from all abominations and recognize Your sovereignty over all. Father, we we send up our most fervent request for your long arm of protection to be extended to all those who are suffering, those in harm's way, those in chaotic and confusing situations. Father, we humbly ask for your intervention to give us all the peace that is embodied in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the zeal and energy to continue to be able to serve, to work in your vineyard. We pray for the extended families of all within the sound of my voice. Give us those things we stand in need of this day. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us to call you our Father and pray that we continue to carry the most blessed title of your children. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, friends, let us reach out in Christian love this week and extend ourselves with empathetic service toward one another. Let us to continue to praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let us count it all joy. Stay safe. Bye for now.